Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephanie Cox. Here are today's top stories. The man accused of targeting and killing 10 black people at a grocery store in Buffalo, New York, pleaded guilty today to 15 state charges. In a race to approve election results before the deadline, Arizona's Maricopa County held a special meeting. Despite hearing public calls for a new election, officials said they were bound by law to confirm the results. The White House responds to anti-lockdown protests in China, but it notably refuses to say one thing. Dr. Anthony Fauci criticizes China's COVID response, saying it makes no sense from a public health perspective. What he said about that and annual booster shots. And Elon Musk says Apple's threatening to pull Twitter from its app store. It's no holds barred on Twitter, and we hear a policy analyst's perspective. The man charged with opening fire at a grocery store in a predominantly black neighborhood of Buffalo, New York, pleaded guilty today to 15 state charges. Ten people were killed and three wounded in the May 14th attack. 19-year-old Peyton Gendron pleaded guilty to one count of domestic act of terrorism motivated by hate, ten counts of first-degree murder, three counts of attempted murder, and a weapons possession charge. The charges come with a mandatory sentence of life in prison without the chance of parole. The defense attorney said the guilty plea ensures there will be no state trial and Gendron will not appeal. The Erie County District Attorney described the attack as a racist hate crime. Eleven of the 13 people were shot were black and two were white, officials said. And officials in Arizona's embattled Maricopa County approved election results today. Despite several objections from county residents, the Board of Supervisors maintained they were carrying out their legal duty. NTD's Arlene Richards reports. I would make the motion that we approve the November 8th, 2022 Maricopa County general election. As Arizona counties face a statutory November 28 deadline to approve their midterm election results, the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors held a special meeting. At the beginning of the meeting, County Supervisor Bill Gates said this. It is our statutory duty to complete this part of the election process. He explained the county's statutory duty to canvas election results. To canvas is a process that allows election officials to confirm every valid ballot cast and counted including mail-in, early voting, election day, and provisional ballots. Gates said by law, residents can't challenge results until after the county and the state certify them. Challengers then have five days to complain. The Maricopa County Recorder, who is responsible for voter registration and early voting, touted the success of the early voting process. We had very few voter issues, and those we were able to resolve almost immediately. The early voting process is safe. It is secure. It is trackable. He said early voting has fewer problems than in-person voting and called for more support of mail-in ballots as a solution to Election Day problems. Poll workers and election observers explained some of the problems. From 6 a.m., the tabulator machines at my location were not accepting the ballots. We had long lines inside the building, and they were not moving. Prior to even having November 8th, when I went to training, as we were practicing on the tabulators, they didn't even work on that day. Some say the county has no power to reject the results. 
But last week, Republican county officials in Cochise and Mojave counties delayed confirming their results in protest of Maricopa's problems. On Monday, Mojave County approved their election results. Some officials told Havasu News they were pressured to vote yes. The county's attorney said failure to approve could subject the supervisors to criminal charges. In Cochise County, supervisors made a final decision to delay approval until Friday. Supervisors demanded the state prove that vote tabulation machines were certified for accuracy. A spokesperson for the Arizona Secretary of State told News 13 their office would use all legal remedies to ensure all votes are counted. The office intends to certify the election results even if the counties don't approve the results. Meanwhile, on Sunday, Maricopa County defended its election process. In response to the Attorney General's election inquiry, officials said they followed state and federal laws. In a statement, Gates vowed to canvass the election on Monday. Arizona's Secretary of State Katie Hobbs is scheduled to certify Arizona's election results on Monday, December 5th. Arlene Richards, NTD News, New York. And Congress is slow walking its approval of 2023's national defense budget, and the Pentagon is sounding the alarm. Secretary Lloyd Austin warns congressional leadership that this delay puts national defense at risk and undermines the ability to counter China. Here's NTD's Melina Weiskopf with more details. Lawmakers have returned to Capitol Hill with the long to-do list. At the top of their priorities is codifying same-sex marriage. Senators this evening are working on a procedural move to pass the Respect for Marriage Act. Now, this is even as the clock is running out for time-sensitive measures, such as government funding, including the National Defense Authorization Act of 2023. Lawmakers have until December 16th to reach a deal on this, but right now it's unclear whether or not they will be able to reach a deal by then. Now, they have another option that is passing another temporary funding bill, also known as a CR or continuing resolution. Um, but the Pentagon warns that this could come at the cost of national security. Secretary Austin wrote to leadership in a letter first reported by Politico reminding lawmakers that, quote, under the CR, Congress prohibits the military from commencing new initiatives, such as those requested by our theater commanders in the Indo-Pacific. Now, this is an area where China has continued to use military and economic coercion to destabilize the region. The Pentagon is urging Congress to break its pattern of kicking the can down the road, so to speak, writing directly, quote, we must break this pattern of extensive inaction. We can't outcompete China with our hands tied behind our back three, four, five, or six months of every fiscal year. But while delaying the NDAA does put the Pentagon on edge, it may turn out in favor of Republicans, giving them more control and more leverage over what goes into it. That's because Republicans will have control over the House come January. And House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy did tell reporters that he hopes to see the NDAA on hold until January so that they could, quote, get it right. But it's also important to note that McCarthy was one of over 100 Republicans who voted for the House passed version over the summer. And that House passed version of the NDAA was well over the $770 billion ask 
from the Pentagon. Biden also is urging Congress to attach another $40 billion in emergency funding for Ukraine in this package, as well as another $9 billion for COVID. While COVID will be harder to get in there because of Republican opposition, Republicans are much more likely to support the Ukraine spending. But House Republicans have said, although they're supporting this, they do want a better accounting method for how that money is spent in Ukraine. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Melina Weiskup, NTD News. The Biden administration says Russia has abruptly postponed nuclear arms control talks that were scheduled for tomorrow. U.S. officials say Russia offered no explanation of why they're postponing. The State Department said the meeting was scheduled to begin Tuesday in Egypt and last through next week. It said Russia had promised to propose new dates but had offered no reason for the delay. The meeting was supposed to specify details of the new START treaty. The treaty allows U.S. and Russian inspections of each other's military sites. It's the last major arms control pact between Washington and Moscow. The commission in charge of the treaty has not met in more than a year, initially because of the COVID-19 pandemic and later due to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Next, the White House getting pressed today on its reaction to protests in China, what it says and what it refuses to say about what's going on. The White House today responds to anti-lockdown protests happening in China, which in some cases have snowballed into demonstrations against the Chinese regime. Our message to peaceful protesters around the world uh, is the same and, and consistent. People should be allowed uh, uh, the, the, the right to assemble and to peacefully protest. But one thing John Kirby would not say is if the administration supports the Chinese protesters or their cause. Does the White House support the, their, their effort to sort of regain you know, personal freedoms in light of these lockdowns? The White House supports the right of peaceful protest. The Chinese regime has arrested some protesters, and in one case, a BBC journalist covering protests in Shanghai. But neither John Kirby on the podium nor a White House statement from Monday issued any condemnation of the Chinese regime's actions. Why not? We're watching this closely, as you might expect we would. And again, we continue to stand up and support the right of peaceful protest. And that's in contrast with how the administration responded to protests in Iran. Biden was quick to support protesters there, and Kirby on Monday said the U.S. would hold the Iranian government accountable. For the way it's treating its people. Meanwhile, Republican Senator Marsha Blackburn is calling on President Biden to, quote, stand up against Xi and support what she calls freedom fighters in China. Biden, who personally met with Xi Jinping earlier this month, has yet to personally comment on the ongoing protests. And here in the U.S., Dr. Anthony Fauci criticized China's COVID response. He also defended American policies while hinting at annual booster shots. Dr. Anthony Fauci, outgoing director of the U.S. National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases and President Biden's chief medical advisor, appeared in two interviews that both aired on Sunday. He said on NBC's Meet the Press that Chinese COVID policies don't make sense from a public health standpoint. Their approach has been very, very severe and rather draconian in the kinds of shutdowns without a seeming purpose. According to Fauci, lockdowns in the U.S. made more sense because they were done temporarily to flatten the curve and gain strength. For the purpose of regrouping, getting more personal protective equipment, getting people vaccinated. He added that it seems like in China, people are being locked up without any obvious end goal, like getting people vaccinated. 
Speaking on CBS's Face the Nation, Fauci accused China of failing to cooperate with an investigation into the origins of the virus. The whole establishment of political and other establishment in China, even when there's nothing at all to hide, they act secretive, which absolutely triggers an appropriate suspicion of, like, what the heck is going on over there? Fauci says there's strong evidence that the virus occurred naturally, but that he'll keep an open mind about the possibility that it leaked from a lab. In terms of American policies, Fauci talked about annual booster shots, maybe multiple shots per year, because he says the pandemic is not over yet. Once a year, you get it in the fall, but that doesn't take into account that you have to keep up the possibility that we will get a variant that's very different than the variants we have right now that might require a springtime or some summertime boost. He also said he'd be willing to testify before Congress if asked to do so by House Republicans, which they said they're planning to do. Last week, Fauci testified under oath at a deposition. He reportedly couldn't name any studies which prove that masks are effective in preventing the spread of COVID. Early in the pandemic, Fauci said masks don't stop the spread, but later he reversed course. A lawyer who was at the deposition told the Epic Times that Fauci was asked what studies or study changed his mind in that interim, which is what he claimed. He claimed that it was studied. He couldn't name any. Fauci is set to resign from his roles in December. Reporting by Arian Pazdar, NTD News. And in the Twitter sphere, Elon Musk says Apple has threatened to withhold Twitter from its app store. But they won't say why. That's according to Musk, who also said Apple has mostly stopped advertising on Twitter. Do they hate free speech in America? The new CEO asking, who else has Apple censored? Users responding, Apple demanded our apps filter search terms. Our app was rejected when they realized there was no need for tracking and third-party access. Another saying iOS change only for iPhones sold in China, airdrops everyone's setting lasts only for 10 minutes, limiting an effective communication tool for protesters. The Intercept's Glenn Greenwald saying, this is exactly how Parler was destroyed for its refusal to obey the censorship orders of DC Democrats. Apple and Google removed the app from their stores. Also today, the White House saying they're keeping a close eye on Musk's Twitter. Lawmakers starting to push back. U.S. Senator Marsha Blackburn saying the alleged threat to remove Twitter from Apple's app store proves we must rein in big tech. Musk casting these developments as a revolution against online censorship in America. And one user saying they're ready for the smartphone that Musk said he'd make if he were kicked off Apple and Android platforms. And earlier today, I spoke with the Heritage Foundation senior policy analyst, Richard Stern, for his perspective. Richard Stern, welcome to our show. Thanks so much for joining us. And thank you for so much for having me on. Now, Elon Musk just announced today that Apple is threatening to cut Twitter from its app store, and it won't say why. What's your take on that? No, so I think this is a, a great kind of point of what's going on right now. You have private companies that are doing good things like what Elon Musk is doing with, with Twitter. And you have other companies that are falling into government pressure, right? They're feeling pressure for people like Joe Biden who are using the weight of the government to threaten private businesses that they don't follow his political whim. So we can only surmise why Apple's doing that, but the truth is we all see what's happening here is that companies are bowing to this pressure from the government, trying to act in a dictatorial fashion to force companies to bend to their will. 
Musk has had in Twitter for a month now, and it seems he's already on President Biden's figurative watch list. After the president said he's worthy of being looked at for potential national security threats, what concerns you here? I, the whole thing, right? The president is not supposed to be a dictator that can marshal the force of the government against a single business owner because he doesn't share his politics. To your point on this, all of these companies have the same kind of investor profiles, they're doing the same kind of activities, but they donate to the right people, the right politicians. They support the politics of the president so they don't get put on this figurative watch list. This is a horrific turn of events where the government is infringing on people's rights, is shifting more towards a dictatorship, and is producing an environment or if you have a great idea that would lift people out of poverty, you can't pursue it unless you've been given the stamp of approval by some unaccountable group of bureaucrats following some political agenda. And you pointed to a bigger issue here that perhaps the U.S. is moving away from the founders' vision of a free society and free market, which would have protected against government overreach. So t tell me about that. No, exactly. And, and I think part of what you see right now is there's a political movement from, from a lot of different groups to say, we want government regulation. We just want it our way. The truth is that that's not such a thing. All government regulation is coercive. All government power is ultimately coercive. If, if it's this group regulating or that group regulating, it'll change who it is. The nuance won't be exactly what you want, and you'll find yourself on the other end of that barrel at some point. Now, Musk says that Twitter user signups are at an all-time high for the platform, and some previously banned accounts are now reinstated on Twitter. What do you think needs to happen next to safeguard the, the free flow of information and ideas going forward? I think you're seeing an organic part of that. To your point, the demand for that product that Musk has put out is at record levels. This is people telling you that this makes their lives better. They can conduct communications, business, all those sorts of things. What needs to happen is the government needs to get out of the way. It needs to stop this kind of witch hunt for him and people like him. It needs to stop putting pressure on companies like Apple to bow out or advertisers, all these other things. We need the government to stop making these threats. We need companies to reject cancel culture and to follow in this, flip, in, this, in this blueprint that Musk has laid out, to do things that are good for people, that there's demand for, that better people's lives, and to stop bowing to the whim of, of would-be dictators trying to throw around the power of the government. Richard Stern, Senior Policy Analyst at the Heritage Foundation, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on. If you have any news tips or feedback for our show, you can email us at eveningnews at ntd.com. Coming up, a man who claimed to cure cancer, AIDS, and more would have turned 89 over the weekend. NTD speaks with his daughter, who shares his legacy. And at the World Cup, Iran files a complaint with FIFA's Ethics Committee against the U.S. just ahead of their clash on the field tomorrow. NTD's Dave Martin has the story. That and more after this short break. Dr. Sabi claimed he could cure cancer, AIDS, and many other diseases. Saturday would have been his 89th birthday. NTD's Jason Perry spoke with his daughter, who shared his story. One thing is, he is the architect of the CMOS movement and this alkaline way. I don't think a lot of people were talking about alkaline water. Kelly Bowman is the daughter of Alfredo Bowman, better known as Dr. Sabi. 
She explained that her father wasn't always a healthy man. He was uh, diagnosed with uh, high blood pressure. Uh, he had impotency. He had diabetes. He had quite a few issues, and all the answers he was getting did not add up for him getting better. And so for him, it became uh, a point of depression, I'm sure. So the journey to get well started. And on his road to healing, he met a medicine man in Mexico who healed Dr. Sabi and taught him about botanical blends and fasting. Dr. Sabi then began making his own products and doing his own research without ever attending a formal medical school. He found that acidic foods were not nutritionally sound for the body in healing the body through disease. That anything below 7.0 is considered acid. And acid brings mucus into the body. And mucus, he found, is the basis of all disease, no matter where it is in the body, because it it destroys the at the cellular level. Dr. Sabi claimed to have healed his first AIDS patient in 1984. And he also claimed to heal people of cancer, lupus, herpes, leukemia, sickle cell anemia, and even blindness. Dr. Sabi said this on The Rock Newman Show. When I told my mama that I had cured my 13 AIDS patient, she said, they gonna get you, they gonna get you. In 1987, Dr. Sabi was arrested and charged for practicing medicine without a license and making fraudulent medical claims. Dr. Sabi defended himself in court, and he was asked, where was the so-called mucus in AIDS? It's in the skin, it's in the blood, and the lymphatic system that makes up the immunological system. That is where you find the mucus, Mr. Victor Herbert. Dr. Sabi said he brought to court over 70 of his patients he claimed to have healed, along with medical doctors to verify that each of the patients had been healed of certain diseases. Dr. Sabi won that case against the New York State Supreme Court. His daughter Kelly has those court documents on display at an exhibit in Atlanta, the city where she runs her own herbal business called Sabi's Daughters. Dr. Sabi lost another case which prevented him from making certain claims in New York newspapers. In 2016, Dr. Sabi was arrested again, this time at an airport in his home country of Honduras. He was jailed for reportedly having $37,000 in cash. Dr. Sabi was charged with money laundering and he died while in custody. In today's world, we need a lot of love. And I can say I grew up with a father Dr. Sabi, who was about love, love for himself and the community. Jason Perry, NTD News. And now over to sports news. Here's NTD's Dave Martin with today's top stories. Thank you, Steph. The U.S. Soccer Federation drew the ire of Iran after briefly posting on social media images of Iran's flag but without the emblem of the Islamic Republic. Iran's government responded by accusing America of removing the name of God from its flag and filed a complaint with FIFA's Ethics Committee. The USSF said it decided to forego the official flag on social media to show, quote, support for the women in Iran fighting for basic human rights. The U.S. men's team plays Iran on Tuesday, and men's coach Greg Berhalter said he and his players had no part in the social media posts and apologized for them. He also said his thoughts are with the Iranian people. The support comes following months of demonstrations in Iran 
following the death of 22-year-old Masa Amini, who had been detained by the country's morality police. And in NFL news, Los Angeles Rams All-Pro receiver Cooper Cup tweeted out against fashion brand Balenciaga, which has been accused of sexualizing children in a recent ad campaign. Cup's tweet reads, to try to be a voice for our children who rely on the protection of the men and women that were entrusted the responsibility of nurturing them and raising them up. Please make yourself aware of the attack against our young ones by Balenciaga and ensure that they are held responsible for it. And for your sports viewing this evening, 10 NBA games are on schedule for tonight, including the first place Phoenix Suns playing at the Sacramento Kings. And in hockey, six games are on schedule for tonight, highlighted by Devils-Rangers matchup in a battle of the greater New York City area. And finally, for you NFL fans, the Colts host the Steelers on Monday Night Football. And that's a wrap for sports. Back to you, Steph. Thanks, Dave. And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Stephanie Cox.